John 15. Of course, we've been in a study on the gifts of the Spirit, and that's what I was prepared to teach on, but the Lord just uh, seemed to, oh, praise God, talk to me during that second song uh, about I am chosen. And so we're going to just let that be the title this morning, that I am chosen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, All of us, if we've been on the planet very long, we know, we have felt uh, what it's like to be rejected, uh, to be not someone's chosen, and to to want to be accepted, uh, to want to be valued, and to want that value that we're born with that God puts in us to be affirmed in our life by, you know, especially those that are closest to us, our moms and our dads and our brothers and sisters, our, you know, our families and and our friends at school. And and unfortunately, you know, I don't need to convince you or tell you that it's it's rough out there. Uh, And, you know, when rejection happens, it's one of those events that can alter a person's insides and, and take a person in, oh, we have different words to describe this, right? You could break a person. You could br- really break a person. And uh, I, I had this happen in my own life on, on more than one occasion. And how many of you, you've suffered rejection before? I mean, gosh, we could probably all raise our hands. Uh, there's, there's people out there that don't like us. It's a harsh reality, right? Because you know how likable you are. Everybody ought to like you. That's how you ought to, that's how you ought to think about yourself. You ought to be shocked that somebody doesn't like you. And you know, that's how we start. But I was, I was born just a red-blooded American kid. And, and uh, you know, you, you have this wonderful innocence on the inside. Every child does. And uh, I remember, and I'm not blaming, okay, but I'm just telling you a story. Just listen to me a minute. And uh, I got to be 11 or 12 or so, and my mom and dad were in the kitchen, and, and I, had a, I have a brother, uh, my brother Ben, three years younger than me. And my mom made the comment, she said, uh, hey, uh, Chris, boys, after, after dinner, dad and I have a surprise for you. And just kind of said it like that. Well, what would you think if you were 11 years old? I thought, I'm getting a G.I. Joe or something. I'm getting me a new G.I. Joe. That's what I'm getting. Praise God. Mom's got a surprise for me. Well, we had a, we had a dinner. It was peaceful. I had a good dinner. We sat down on the living room floor. and My mom proceeded to tell us that she didn't love my dad anymore. And that uh, she wasn't going to go on the planned trip to Grandma's, to my dad's mother's up in Kansas. But we would go. And then when we got back, that the house would look different. and She would have moved out. And we would just come live with her. Well, it sure was a surprise. Sure was a surprise. But see, that was the day I broke. You know, you take a piece of pottery and it's perfectly fabricated. It's, it's made just the way the designer wanted it. And then you throw it on a, you, you drop it on the floor and it cracks in four pieces or more than that. You could put it back together, but it's just not quite the same after that. And that's, a, that's just the best way I could, I could describe it, at least in this moment, to just tell you I was still a young boy, I, you know, I was still a kid, did all the things that kids do, but I just wasn't quite the same after that. And it affects how you feel about yourself, how you process your life and the decisions that you make. And, and the more things like this happen in our life, the more broken we become. And the more broken we become, the more we don't think right about ourselves, about life, and our decisions can become more and more and more out of line with health and out of line with God's perfection and perfect will for our life. And we can get really dysfunctional. And we can begin to do really destructive things. See, You know, a child ought to be very secure in their home with mom and dad. And I had that rug pulled out. And listen, people divorce all the time. I understand many of us come from blended family. I'm not beating that up. God did great things for us after. I'm not saying people are bad people. I'm just telling you that these things have an effect. You don't, you don't, 
you don't wreck a home, you don't split a home, and there not be an effect. You know? And uh, that's why we ought to be a lot more slow and a lot more sober about uh, entering into a lifelong covenant relationship and then bringing lives into that. And then just throwing that off. Because you don't do that without confidence. God will forgive us. Thank God He'll forgive us. But there's, there's just effects that happen. And, uh, but, uh, you know, having that rug pull out, where I ought to have been safe and secure, now in the most core, fundamental part, part of a life that a kid doesn't even think about. I was made to realize that that could be taken away. Well, it gets you thinking unconsciously, what else could be taken away? And, then, and I'm just telling you a little bit about my story. Is, is that I began to want someone in my life to validate me. And because I had already experienced that that can be removed, that whole dynamic can be taken away, that what I did is I began to make destructive choices and compromises to have a person, they were primarily female, to have a person and then keep a person. And then when you do all that, and then like what happened with my high school sweetheart, you go through all that compromise, please do what they want, and then there comes a day they say, get away from I don't want you anymore. Well, amen. And a lot of times I talk, I pick up my testimony about uh, you know, the turnaround in my life being drunk and suicidal at a frat party, but I don't typically tell you how I got drunk and <laughs> to a place where I was drunk and suicidal at a frat party, and that was just part of it. And I tell you what, let's, let's get to something here. Let's get to a verse. How about that? John chapter 15. Praise God. And there's a wonderful verse here. Verse number 16. And this is Jesus talking. Come on. And He says... You have not chosen me. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I don't know why God would put this on my heart, except somebody might be blessed to hear it today. There's somebody that matters more than anyone else in the universe, and his name's God. (laughs) There is a God. He has a son who is also God. His name is Jesus. And Jesus chose you. He chose you. He chose you. You didn't choose Him. He chose you. He picked you out of the crowd of the masses. Out of the crowd of humanity. He chose you. Jesus had everything. Jesus was the pre-incarnate one. He was the Ancient of Days, the Rose of Sharon. Amen. The Bright and One. And He is all those things today. But before He was born of a virgin, before He took on the limitations and the indignities of human flesh, He was God without form. He was a God without body. Right? And yet, He saw you. He saw you in sin. He saw you not even believing there was a God, living your life however you, and experiencing all the things that you've experienced. And before you were even born, He saw that the only way for you to have a chance to have a good life, to not die and go to hell, was for Him to come and die in your place. And to take upon Himself all of the punishment all of the penalty that we deserve for our sin and our wrongdoing, before you ever took your first breath, he saw all of that and he said, I want them. I want Pam and I want Chris and I want Gloria and I want Tamara. Amen. I want Pat and I want Brianna and I want them all. And they may not want me, but I've chosen them. And without them even asking me or getting my approval, I'm going to go and die for them. I'm going to go and I'm going to pay the price that they ought to pay for their sin and their transgression of 
that they've sinned against God, my Father and me. Come on, it, it ought to help you, it ought to bless you to know and see that without you doing anything, without you earning anything, without you standing in the crowd saying, oh, please pick me. You ever done that on the playground? Oh, pick me. Pick me, please. Choose me. Come on, before you were ever authored, before your mom and dad ever thought up your name, the Bible says that the most important one chose you. Hallelujah. He chose you. So you didn't choose me, I chose you. Really, the only reason, if you're a Christian today, that you are a Christian is because He loved you first. The way all of us come to Christianity is we simply respond to a love we can't say no to. <laughs> Isn't that right? We respond to a love that is so unconditional and so overwhelming and so sacrificial and so pure and so safe and so enduring and so real that we just go, okay, you got me. The Bible says in 1 John that we only love Him because He first loved us. And I know that some of us, somehow, some way, we have our own journey. We've gotten to such a wounded and hurt place in our life that we really, really believe no one even should choose me. Why would they? I'm used. I'm ex I'm, I've been expended. I'm compromised. I, I'm not smart. I'm not pretty. I'm not talented. I'm not anointed. I'm not this. I'm not that. And that's all real, really real. It's real stuff. But we must, we must let God heal us. So that we can go on. God, you know, we've been talking about gifts of the Spirit, but God, God can't use us to bless others if we're broken. He loves to use formerly broken people. And you might feel today like Humpty Dumpty who fell off the wall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men, they did their best, but they just can't seem to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And you may have tried all kinds of things to put yourself back together. But you just stop trying and just respond to the love of God. Go to Psalm 71 with me. The 71st Psalm. It's amazing how God works, isn't it? I just cruising along in my devotional time and happened to flip over to one Psalm and read it. Took note of a few verses. Didn't know that they would be key verses in a service that I would preach on Sunday. <laughs> Psalm 71. Praise God. <clears throat> Look with me at verse number 6. It says, this is David, okay, the psalmist David, King David. And uh, the the, and you know, in King James language, the you, language, the you, he's talking to God, okay? He says, by you, talking about God, by God have I been held up from the womb. Did you get that? You are he, talking about God, that took me out of my mother's insides, bowels. My praise shall be continually of you. I am as a wonder unto many. Now that's not a compliment. What he's saying here is, huh, a lot of people out there don't understand me. They don't get me. They don't like me. They've thought wrong about me. I'm a wonderment to many. I'm a target of many. I'm, I've been rejected of many. Any of you have a translation that says anything different than wonder? I'm a wonder to many. I'm a surprise to many. Anybody else have anything? I didn't have time to look this up in 25 translations today. God just, but it just be, he said, I'm a wonder to many. I'm a surprise unto many. 
Amen. I know that's true in my life. Praise God. People that used to know me and then if they could know me now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength fails. I want you to see, especially that verse number six, that God's been involved with your life since before you came out of your mother's womb. Go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Verse number one, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. Now this can be a very intimidating truth, especially if you're brand new to the things of God, that God has searched you and he's known you from the inside out. Where you've been, what you've done, what's happened to you, the thoughts you've had, the words you've spoken, the daydreams, the hurts, the plotting, the planning, all of it. God has searched me, David said, and known me. You know my downsitting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. You could say, even before I have them. You surround my path and my lying down and you are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word in my tongue, but, oh Lord, you know it all together. You say, yeah, see, and see, he, that's why he doesn't want me. That's why I can't come to God. No, 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 no. See, in the midst of all this, <laughs> praise God, he loves you anyway. He loves you still, praise God. You have beset me behind him before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me, it is high, I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee and, or run from your presence? What's the answer to that? Nowhere. <laughs> See, you might as well just give up. You might as well just give in. I've never come to church again. He lives outside of church. He's at the bar. He's in the alley. He's in your bedroom. He's in your bathroom. He's everywhere. Right? Where can I run from your presence? Verse 8. If I ascend up into heaven, well, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, I'm going to become a hermit. I'm going to get out on a... Boat and get myself off in the middle of, Pacific, of the Pacific. Guess what? I won't be there, but God will be. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and my right hand shall uphold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light around me. Yea, the darkness hides not from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto you, for you have possessed my reins and you have covered me in my mother's womb. See, this is why abortion is wrong. This is why abortion is wrong. That being in there has already captured the Lord's attention. He's already involved with that life. This is why abortion is wrong. Well, it's okay into the it's okay into this month, but not that month. It's okay up under here, but not there. Heartbeat, no heartbeat. Uh, you know, uh, now they're saying, you know, even if mom changes her mind and the baby's lying on the birthing table. Come on. This is why abortion is wrong. Abortion is wrong because God is already in love with what's in your womb, with the person, with the being. He's already molding. He's already active. He's already at work. Come on. The Bible says that God, in that psalm we just read, Psalm 71, 6, that God took me out of my mother's womb. Hallelujah. Listen, I was involved with activity like that. Of course, I'm a male and all that, but for my part, and 
God is my witness. He's so merciful. Amen. And that's what the blood of Jesus is before. If you've ever been involved in abortion, listen, you just receive the Lord's forgiveness and the Lord's cleansing because His love's greater than that. I don't mean, right? We're not about condemning people. God's not either. Hallelujah. Anyway, but I want you to be able to see. See, people out there in the world, they don't go to church, right? And they don't think right. They've just been, they just, it's just tissue. It's not just tissue. Amen. In compassion, we need to help people think right about these things. Verse 13, For you've possessed my reins, you've covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. Why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully, notice this, I'm made. I didn't just happen. I was made. You were made. See, God chose you. Before you ever got started. Yeah, I know, but I got started. I messed it up. Listen, listen, listen. No, he saw all of that from before it started. Praise God. Verse 15. Well, let's keep reading. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that my soul. See, our, we know this, right? See, you may have never heard words like this. Amen. But your insides are affirming that these things are true. My substance was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought or worked or made or created in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in the book of, my, of uh, remembrance, now notice, note, take note of this book, this is interesting. This is not the book of life that we have to get our names written in to go to heaven. This is called a book of members. A book of remembrance. Look at that. In your book were written in continuance and fashion, and yet there was none of them. In other words, God wrote. He saw all your life and He wrote it down in a book before you kissed your mama for the first time. Hallelujah. How precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Hallelujah. Look at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all all right? Listen, even if you've heard these things before, you need to hear them again. You know, because the enemy, when I say the enemy, of course, I mean the devil. You know, gosh, he's just constant, isn't he? With his bombardment. He wants to highlight. It's like, you know, some of us, it's like he's superimposed on every billboard we drive by all our faults and all our weaknesses. He wants to highlight them. He wants to make much of them. He wants us to constantly think about where we fall short. That's no way to live. Amen. But so we have to renew our mind to the Word. Come on. Or we're never going to live a victorious Christian life. We're never going to do Christianity right until and unless we start where we should all start. And that is God loves me. He just loves me. And He chose me. And it's not up to me to explain for Him why He chose me. He just did. Amen. Amen. And there are reasons why He did. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you may have made some wrong decisions. We all have. And may have hindered and thwarted the plan of God to some degree. We all have. But see, He's bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our sins. He'll set our lives back on course. And begin to use us in ways that we have never dreamed that we could be used. We could live lives that we never, in that broken place of life, never thought was attainable. Amen? Maybe you didn't have a good daddy. God will be your daddy. Maybe you don't have a husband. God will be your husband. Maybe you're a little short on friends. 
The Bible says that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on now. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just read some verses. We doing okay? I think this is good. I've preached myself happy already. Verse 1 says, and you. Everyone say me. See, again, here's another thing. you got to relate to this book the right way. You know, it wouldn't do you bad just to, just to put the Bible up on your heart and say, this is God speaking to me. This is God. He wrote a love letter to me. This is me. He's speaking to me. Right? You're not going to relate right to the Bible until you do that. And so you, me, has He, God, quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. I remember those days in my life when I walked according to the way of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our lifestyle. Our conversation means lifestyle. In times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, come on, hallelujah, but God... He's got a little bit of mercy. No, come on. It says, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when, come on, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin. See, that's why God could reach out to a drunken suicidal guy, not in church, but at a frat party and save his life, turn his life around, rescue him, set, begin to set his life on course, was because even in that pitiful, dark, deceived, broken condition, God chose me. He chose me. He chose me. He loved me enough to talk to me and to break in on me. God would love to break in on you, sweetie. <laughs> So many people, gosh, they either just don't know or they've just been pushing God out. Just, just keep pushing God out. And so much of that isn't, isn't really coming from a I don't want you. It's coming from such an insecurity and a woundedness because of rejection that they don't feel worthy of His love. None of us are worthy of His love. Amen? And you couldn't do anything to make yourself any more worthy of His love. He just chose you. <laughs> you know, one of the things you need to see is that He chose you not because of what is or what has been. He chose you because He sees you whole. He sees you in Him. It's like a designer, you know, and they're going to revamp, let's say they're going to revamp the Ford Mustang. And you know, that, that revamp, where does that start? It starts in a in an art room on pads of paper. Right? And that whole new design is conceived and articulated and seen while, it, while the, old, the old broken model is still in existence. And before new parts are created, before new fenders and shapes are fabricated, the, the architect has already seen it. And then they go about the process of bringing that new model and design into reality. Do you have enough faith to let God make a new design out of you? He just needs you to be the raw material. <laughs> Come on. And the great thing about Christianity is there's nothing for you to do. You just let Him do it. You're quiet today. You just let Him do it. You see, you can't change yourself. And you can't fix yourself. And you can't make yourself what He has in mind to, for you to be. You just have to say, go for it, Father. If you're that big and you're that good and you love me that much, just go for it. I, I receive it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, see, we all come from this place 
you know, where we had our lifestyle in the past. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved. By grace you're saved. Through faith. Your faith is involved. That's the only thing you bring. But it's His unmerited, undeserved love and favor for you. Come on that brings you to a place of salvation. See, heaven today is full of horrible people. And hell today is chocked full of great people. I'm going to get up and leave. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. No, listen, I know exactly what I'm talking about. From our perspective, the way we judge people, heaven is chalked full of adulterers and thieves and drunks and addicts, come on, and liars and deceivers and connivers (laughs) and lawbreakers. Heaven's full of them. Some of heaven's greatest preachers are murderers. Moses, murderer. Paul, murderer. (laughs) David, adulterer. Huh? Yeah, Rahab, harlot. (laughs) Abraham, liar. (laughs) Peter, denier. The thing... See, they didn't get to heaven because they did something to undo that or earn that. They just said, oh my gosh, Father, I need you. And I accept you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior, Jesus. I see and recognize that you died for me on the cross. There's no way I could ever climb a ladder high enough in morality to Meet your standard. But I believe that Jesus died for me. And I accept that. And the moment you do that, Paul's no longer a murderer. No longer a murderer. Your past is wiped away. Your, the old self is gone. And a new person lives. And it's that new person that God saw before you accepted Jesus. He chose you before you ever accepted Him. Because He saw you in that condition. A saved condition. Hell is full of people that, that, that entered into eternity believing God will accept me. I'm a good person. I obey the law. I pay my taxes. I don't lie, steal, or cheat. I've done my best in life and I just believe God is love and God will accept me for that. And that person will bust hell wide open. Because you don't get to heaven baking cookies for your neighbor. You were born with a sin nature that was passed to you from our first parents. And if you just go through the Ten Commandments, you've broken them in there somewhere. (laughs) Right? The Bible says that one sin is enough to damn the soul. Do you see what I mean by hell is full of good people? Heaven is packed full of horrible people. But they accepted Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 4. What are we talking about this morning? I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Come on and make you walk different. You know, like a kid that, that... He's got a different level of confidence. He always gets picked first or second on the playground games. Right? Hallelujah. Well, I'm chosen by someone bigger than the playground popular guy. You know, Jehovah God chose me. Praise God. Who cares about the little Hollywood dude that you're thinking about? God chose me. (laughs) Praise God. I like me. God likes me. You don't like me. That's your problem. 
Right? Amen. Amen. Oh, how does this make a difference? It makes all the difference in the world. You don't want to know why, uh, one reason why people's faith doesn't work, their prayers aren't answered, is because they have this underlying broken insecurity, spirit of rejection. No one could really love me. Why would God bless me? And as much as they try to work their faith, it doesn't work. But when you accept that thing about, you know, I'm chosen. God chose me. Praise God. Period. End of sentence. Well, then it bolsters your faith, right? So verse 4 tells us again, as according as He, God, has chosen us in Him, think about this, from before the foundation of the world. That goes way before your mother's womb. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having been predestinated, His, having predestinated us unto adoption, the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. This is something He willed to do. And He's God. He can do what He wants. It's not up to me to explain or justify why God would choose me. Talk to Him about it. Why did God choose me for the ministry? I don't know. Talk to Him about it. Right? Why does he love me the way he does? I don't know. I've sure given him a lot of reasons not to, but he still does talk to him about it. Hallelujah. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, notice this, wherein he has, that's past tense, made us what? Accepted. Come on, let that, let that minister to you. This is something that in the new birth, He's already done. It's just something you have to see and accept by faith. The moment you accepted Christ, you're accepted in God's sight. And just like little Ryan, of course she's not so little anymore, she'd run up and throw herself in Daddy's arms. Right? Give me a kiss on the cheek and we just have wonderful fellowship. She's not thinking about, am I accepted or not? She just is. Right? From that very moment, all your past is wiped away. And you're accepted in the beloved. Why do gangs thrive? Acceptance. They're built on it. They're built on, fine, here, here's what you're looking for. We'll fight for you. Mom and dad, they won't. The school won't. The government won't. Life won't. We will. You're going to have to do some wicked and evil stuff and they'll go, I'll do it. If you'll accept me, I'll do it. Go to prison for life. Won't rat out their buddy. How come they're that loyal? They're looking for acceptance. And God's already bestowed it on all the world. If they just receive Him. Praise God. Pretty good for no notes, huh? Glory to God. Thank you, Father. So we are, uh, Ephesians 1, 6 says that we, if we were, then we are. Is that right? If we were, then we are accepted. Let's go one more place and then I think we'll close. So let's go to Romans chapter 8. I'm telling you what, one of the best chapters in all of the Bible. You got anything highlighted in Romans chapter 8? Tell you what, you should. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, you could read the whole chapter. We don't have time. Verse number 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to His purpose. How many of you know that's you? That is you. Come on, that's you. For whom, meaning for us, he did foreknow. Now we've already seen that in several passages. To foreknow means He knew you before. He knew you before. Why? I didn't have Christian parents. He knew you before. <laughs> I was born out of wedlock. He knew you before. <laughs> My parents didn't plan me. He knew you before. And none of that changes these Scriptures. Right? 
For whom he did foreknow, that's all of us, what did he do? He also did something next. He did, here's that word again, predestinate us. People stumble theologically over the doctrine, so-called doctrine of predestination. Listen, God has predestined every human being. Every human being for good things. Every human being to come into the family of God. They won't just because He preordained it. You have to accept Him. You have to. He chose you, but then you have in return have to say, I choose you back. I choose you back, Jesus. And that's all I did that night at that frat party. He just broke in on me and revealed to me that there, there's a God and He didn't want me to kill myself. He had something for me good to do in life. Good things for me to experience. Right? Amen. And in that moment, He let me know, I'm choosing you, son. I've got... And see, I took His hand. I chose, I chose Him. Man, my life's been different since that day. Amen. Hallelujah. I still got the Lord by the hand. So he foreknew us, then he predestinated us to, to what? To be conformed into the image of his son. See, that's God's will for us all to be molded and shaped into the image of his son. Now, a big part of that happens in a moment when we're born again, but the rest of our earthly life we spend working on ourselves and him working on us. Amen to become more and more and more like Jesus. You know, you ought to be all right with yourself if, you're, if, if you could say this about you. I'm just, today, you know, hey, today, I'm just, I'm a little bit more like Jesus than I was yesterday. Well, listen, I'm going to put a blue ribbon on you then, sweetie. Praise God, you're on the right track. You're just a little bit more like Jesus by the end of today than you were when you began. Well, see, then you got good, you got good things happening in your life. I'm a little less hostile. I'm a little more sweet. I'm a little more patient. <laughs> Come on, right? I'm a little more forgiving. I'm a little less sinful. <laughs> My behavior. Praise God. I'm trying to get through this. So he foreknew us, and then he saw that we were destined ahead of time to be like Jesus. And then those that he did that with, what does he do? The next thing he does is he justifies us. In other words, he wipes out every legal matter and charge and indictment the devil would bring against us. In other words, he renders sin and its consequences of none effect in our life. He blots out our transgressions. He wipes away our sin. He expunges our record. You know, it didn't matter what was in that file. You know, I know some of you got a file, right? It didn't matter what was in that file one day. The only thing that matters is if today the file were opened and there's a big fat nothing, a big fat blank piece of paper in there. It does not matter what used to be in there. It just matters what's in there now. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's got a big eraser. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he justifies us. Then what does he do after he justifies us? Come on, he glorifies us. What's that look like? Oh, come on, he's going to give you a sweet mate if you want one and come on he's going to give you a bright smile and he's going to heal your body and he's going to get rid of all those uh you know effects of that uh inner rejection he's going to get rid of all your addictions as we sang about today he's going to break off every chain come on until you shine like a new penny sweetie <laughs> what paul said shall we say to these things if God be for us, come on. Is God for you today? Come on and thank God He is. He's for you today. And if God be for us, who could be against us? Then Paul says, in light of all this, if God did not spare His own Son, but instead gave Him up for you, for us all, how will He not with Him also freely give us 
all things. There's your healing verse. I mean, if God would not hold back His own Son, but gave Him up for you because He chose you, then if He would give you Jesus, what would He not give you? What is a car? What, is, what are clothes? What is a house? What is protection? What is safety? What would God not give you? That's what Paul says in light of all this, since He gave me Jesus, we know that with Jesus, He's given us the whole to do. The whole enchilada. The whole of God's house. All that He is. All that He has. He will pay your bills. He will heal your body. He will comfort your mind. He will be with you in difficult places. In one place in the Bible it says He will never, ever, ever, one thing He will never do is leave you, reject you, or forsake you. God will stand with every man, woman, and girl who will stand with Him. He will stand with them. He will fight for them. He will defend them. He will justify them. He will help them. He will put them over. That's one thing God will never do. And this is why you need to cling to God above all else. Above your spouse, your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister. Come on, your best friend. Thank God for relationships. But there is one. There is one. There is one person who will never, never, never leave you, forsake you, reject you, walk away from you, let you down, disappoint you, and that's God. Come on, sweetie, get it straight. Why, oh why, would you wait another moment? Why, oh why, would you not go all in with God and Jesus? Do you see that the person that in the light of all of His love and goodness still says no, having been chosen, but declining, that they're deserving of hell? Yes, that's right. They are deserving of hell in the light of all that He is. But see, this is, this is where the devil, he wants to cloud the issue. He doesn't want you to see God for who He is. Amen. So see, in Jesus we've been given everything. Verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge? Who's going to accuse you when God chose you? Who's going to dare stick their finger in there and say, they're not good enough. They're not worth it. If God chose you, that kind of settles it. That kind of ends the argument. Right? It is God that justifies. Listen, if, God's, if, if God says case, they're innocent, case dismissed, you know, it's kind of over. That's the kind of thing that's gone with President Trump. All of the authorities in our land have said, case closed, it's over. And yet people don't want it to let it be over. Well, there's no higher authority, come on, to go to. It be over. I don't agree with it. It don't matter that you agree with it or not agree with it. Right? Who is he that condemns? Come on, who's out there in the light of all this heaping condemnation? Well, it's not God. Why would God be the one putting a magnifying glass on you every time you miss it, every time you fall short? That's not God. God's the one that justifies. God's the one that chose you. He's not out to condemn you. Praise God. It is Christ that died. Yes, rather that's risen again who is even at the right hand of God. What's He doing about our life? Praying for us. That's what that verse means. Praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Well, can tribulation do it? Can pressure, trouble, can that do it? Nope. That can't do it. How about persecution? No, that won't do it either. How about famine? Needs, having needs. Is that going to separate you? No. No nakedness no peril no sword no 
As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Talking about Christian persecution. We are counted as the world. Come on, not by God, but as the world. We're thought of as sheep for the slaughter. No. Come on, you got to think right. Yeah, I'm just a sheep. Uh, you know, God is counted as sheep for the slaughter. I'm getting slaughtered. No. The, the next verse is nay or no. That's how the world may think about you. But back in God's mind, which should be our mind, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death... Well, I mean, if death won't do it, I don't know what would. Death, life, angels, principalities, powers, nor things... Come on. Things present. Come on, whatever's present right now today that you brought in with you, it's not big enough to undo the fact that God chose you. He chose you to be His. He chose you to be healed. He chose you to be funded. He chose you to be provided for. He chose you to be victorious. He chose you to be happy. He chose you to be whole. He chose you to be fruitful. Nothing that is present touches that or can undo it or change it. Well, I really just don't think very good about myself. That doesn't change it either. Height, depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Come on, everyone say, I'm chosen. Come on, I'm chosen. Praise God, I am chosen. Hallelujah, I'm chosen. Come on, you got to get that, you got to get that down in you. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Really, you just, you just drop, just parachute down into the New Testament anywhere, and you're going to, this is the theme. We who were once not a people are now the people of God. That we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. And we are really strange. The Bible says we are a peculiar people. Created and meant to show forth. To show forth God's praises. Right? To bask in His marvelous light. Why don't you bow your head? Close your eyes.